Benny, if you were wondering, um, <clears throat> you mentioned different things with my daughter. Heather's cancer was, that's Heather Stokite, is my daughter, and her cancer was changed from great, uh, stage three to stage four. And uh, she's got a lot of stuff ahead of her with that. You want to ask me about it afterwards, you can. But right now also, my daughter's used to living a lot of pain. Um, she had me for a father, so she could be used to that. Okay. But uh, she also, they thought she'd had a reaction to some of the cleansing agents they used before her first surgery. And actually is the stress on her body caused her to come down with shingles. So she has a severe case of shingles on top of this. So I just ask you to keep her in your, your prayer. She's handling it well, and she wants to be a witness and testimony for her Savior, for Jesus Christ. Okay, I'll make my prayer. We'll go into the message. Oh, before we do that, let me see. I got to save it till Wednesday night. I took it out. I had a special joke just for Mike Viscom. I was going to read it Wednesday. And he got caught him. He was here, but he got caught in between doing things. And I was going to read that this morning. So now, if you want to know what the special joke is for Mike Viscom, and also to pray for his lovely wife, Georgianne, you come Wednesday night. How's that? I'll make my prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do come before you. I thank you that you're a God who is near and not far. Father, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh of the Father but by me. And Lord, you've given us a way. And Heavenly Father, I pray now that you take control of my mind, my mouth, the actions of my hands and my feet. Give me a fresh unction from on high. And Father, I ask that you just work in the hearts of the people that are here. If there's someone here this morning that doesn't truly know what it means to have sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, to know that truly that they have a home in heaven secured for all eternity, that they don't know what it means to be a born-again child of God, and they have never trusted Jesus Christ alone to save them and take them to heaven when they die. Father, we pray today could be the day of salvation for them. For others here, Father, help us to come apart from the cares of this world and come together. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, there I am in the midst of them. And Lord, we want you with us because without you, we can do nothing. We ask now that you bless this service, you service and you speak to hearts. And we want to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory that our Savior be high and lifted up and that souls could be transformed through the scripture that you've given us this morning, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many times, dealing with people, dealing with situations, and you have to excuse me, uh, voice is a little off today. If you want to know what's in here, you can taste it. It's lemon water. I've had... People who don't know Christ as Savior, I'm talking religious people, irreligious people, if they believe in God, sometimes they wonder, is He really there? And what is, he, what is His will for me? What does God want of me? Believers can also struggle with the same thing. It's like, what is God's will for me? What does He want of me? I want you to know this morning, God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't want you to go struggling through life not knowing. okay. And I'm not going to go and tell everyone because I don't know because you know who I am not? I am not God. So I can't tell every person here what God's will is for them. I know some preachers who think they can and to them I say, oh, nuts, you don't know what you're talking about. okay. But for us, there are certain things that is true of every born-again child of God. And if you're not saved this morning, you need to know God's will for you is for you to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we've got a special revelation this morning on what is God's will for you. It's right here. 
I use this, I mentioned during the Sunday school hour, you'll see how it applies with the message. I keep this in my office above my desk on the back, on the de- and it, this is a little plaque that was given to me, and it says, never confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. Okay? Because the world says it's right doesn't make it right. Because the world can damage our children worse than we ever could. Okay. I also want you to know, this, I just find this interesting, you know, today is a special month. Things, something is being celebrated the whole month long. Do you know what that is? It's National Dairy Month. That's the important one. And it was National Dairy Month long before the, something else became Pride Month. All right? <laughs> All right, but. That has nothing to do with the message. I just had to say that. I'm sorry. Okay. National Dairy Month. Isn't that neat? My wife is telling me, guess what? Uh, you know, the, what has the world been telling you that uh, dairy products and stuff aren't good for you? Okay. My wife is on the car- carnivore eating plan. It's not a diet. She hadn't been able to lose weight doing all these different other things that couldn't help her. So now she eats meat. Okay? <laughs> and it moves her. <laughs> and she goes, that's a dollar. Okay. And for the first time in her life, she feels comfortable with it, and she can eat. I mean, I'm turning around. I guess i got to suffer for Jesus. Cook me that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Porter, well, Porterhouse is too big for her. She'll have, a, she'll have half a strip steak or something like that. You know, the prime rib. But it's the situation I'm saying with this is people, do you realize that they told you eggs are bad for you, now eggs are good, now eggs are bad, now eggs are good? Milk is bad for you, milk is good, milk is bad for you, milk is good. Eat cheese, don't eat cheese, eat cheese, don't eat cheese. That's the world's intelligence. Okay? Back when my father first had his first quadruple bypass on his heart because he had a quadruple and a triple. They told him, they started, there was a doctor coming out. He had a special diet and it was only supposed to be for cardiac patients and it was to make you a vegetarian because all meats were bad for you. And the guy did a study of this doctor. He said, this is the way to do this and it helped him lose weight because you know what? If you eat bad, it's not good for you. But you can eat clean and eat... A lot of good things for you. Well, the doctor who came out with that died of a heart attack. And there's certain things missing that you can only get because my Bible told Peter to what? Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. That doesn't mean eat junk food. I, I want you to know. All right? I want you to understand that. Don't use what I say as an excuse to go have whatever you want. Okay, that's not the point. But so many times people don't understand. And you listen to the world, you're never going to know what God's will is for you. I mean, we had a former president's wife who came to, it was a major conclusion she came to in her late 50s. And she said, it takes a village to raise a child. You know what happens with that? You got a kid with no moorings. It takes his mother and father, his family to raise a child. So what is God's will for me? How do I do this? What do you know? How do I know what God wants? I've had someone say to me, I know it's not scriptural, but I just feel like God wants me to do this. And I'm telling you, no. If it goes against the revealed will of God, it's wrong. And if God says it's wrong, then that means that it is sin. What the world says is right and good and that we're punished for because we don't believe it, we believe God, they make evil good and good evil. If I offend some of you this morning, I apologize. The one thing I've never been accused of is not having an opinion. I've had someone say to me, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've asked God, but it just doesn't seem to want to help. 
or answer me. I dealt with some of that during the Sunday school hour. I'm not going to belabor that. If you want to know something about that, go to the website, listen to the Sunday school hour. Let me ask you this morning, what is God's will for us? What do you know is God's will? We have a Christianity in America today that bases almost everything they do on how they feel in what they think. And I don't need to pick on any particular group. I'm a Bible-believing, born-again Baptist. Bible is the sole authority for all matters of faith and practice. That's what a Baptist is supposed to believe. Autonomy of the local church. No one tells this church what to do but God and the people in it. Priesthood of the believer. Every one of us is a priest before God into a lost and dying world. Two ordinances. Two laws, two rules. Just had one of them done just a, cut, the day, a week ago or so. And that was believer's baptism after salvation. Second one is to partake of the Lord's table is a memorial and a remembrance of what Christ did for you because you lose sight of things. Okay? It's two ordinances. I, individual soul liberty. You answer for you to God. I don't answer to you for God. I answer to God for how I minister to you, but I don't answer for you. I won't be punished for you. I won't be rewarded for what you do in a particular sense. Okay? Individual soul liberty. First S. A saved, baptized church membership. Last, the second T. Two offices. Just two. Pastor and deacon. In our church, our deacons are our trustees. Trustees is a legal thing required by New York State. Deacon is a biblical office. Okay? Pastor and deacon. And the last one that Baptists always believed in, separation of church and state. So you have the liberty to worship and scream at Baptists all you want. Amen? And we have the liberty to tell you we're right and you're wrong. That's what a Baptist is, all right? But you know what? There's going to be Baptists who split hell wide open when they're trusting in the fact that they're a Baptist and not trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So be careful when you condemn someone else. If they're born again, they're born again, according to God's Word. Amen? So you know what we need to do? We need to quit following what we think, contrary to what God's Word says, and what we feel. Your feelings will change. Continually, they will change. I got up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I said, well, I think I look pretty good. I feel pretty good. My wife comes in and says, uh, honey, you okay? <laughs> that doesn't look right. I'm going, I'll lose my salvation. Honest people, do you realize that if you let your emotions control you, you were going to be on a roller coaster ride? God's not the author of confusion. Don't bang heads too much with young people because you know what they are? Little kids and teenagers? Their emotions on legs. They don't have the, they don't have the knowledge to be able to make a decision based on what God says unless you're training them. Do you realize in America today, they'll teach you that you, your children, a 6-year-old, a 7-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, and 12-year-old, go on up through even their teens, they don't have enough understanding that they should choose what they eat. Do you realize that? You should prepare the food from. Don't let them choose. If Sammy chose what he would eat, he would eat... Tortilla chips with cheese for breakfast. And those poor kids are my grandsons. They, they live with us right now where the house is being built, so they become my illustrations. He doesn't give them the choice. You know, he turns around. 
He'll look in, he says, can I eat this? And then he looks at his mother and he goes, yeah, I know, I know. Protein in a salad. <laughs> All right? But isn't it funny, they, can, they tell him they, they, they don't have enough sense to choose what they should eat. Now me, my wife says I never grew out of that. But they're supposed to have enough intellect and understanding so that they, because they don't feel right this morning, that they should change their gender. And if you go against that, you are wrong. And God says, man and woman. And I gave you the DNA to be so. God's not the author of confusion. If that offends somebody, talk to me after the service with it. We'll go Scripture with Scripture to see what God says. Okay? So if we want to know what God's will is, it tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, again, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies where you live in. Present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, it's not unreasonable, service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your what? You renew your mind by the knowledge that you base your decisions off of. And God says, base it off my word, because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. By the renewing of the mind that you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Isn't that neat? You know, before salvation, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I've already said God's will for you is you to be saved. It's the only hope of heaven. I didn't say you had to be a Baptist. I didn't say you had to like me. I didn't say you had to come to church here. This is not the only arbiter of truth. But God is. God's will for you is to come to Jesus Christ. Before salvation, you thought like the world, you talked like the world, and you were conditioned by the world to do so. And it's harder for our younger people today because they're spending so much time on what? Social media telling them how they should live and act and do. Kids are dying by following TikTok things. And so many of us as parents have no idea what our children are even looking at. I don't think, you know, you're not supposed to be able to drive a car in New York State before 16, legally. <laughs> Some states it's a lot lower, that, but, you know, but then they're not supposed to drive alone. You can't buy alcohol, which you shouldn't buy anyways, until you're what? 21. Ever think about that? The decisions that we're letting the children make. Don't confuse the will of the majority with the will of God. They're conditioned by what they're constantly looking at to how they should think. My children each do their individual devotions. They read their Bibles. I have three children. Aaron, Michael, and Heather. You know what their families, they all do? They start their day by reading their Bible and praying. They didn't learn that from TikTok. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not. So I want to encourage you. I don't want to condemn young people. I look at, guess what? God didn't condemn them either because they were allowed to go into the promised land because they didn't know their right hand from their left hand. If you don't know what I'm talking about, come Sunday night and Pastor Kenny will explain it to you. <laughs> TV, advertising, magazines, the internet, teaching in school. It's all humanistic philosophy. You know what it's about? It's about me. And me is never satisfied. 
And it tells us to be transformed from that. From what? The world. What it wants and what it offers. People can ignore it their whole life, but when it comes down to the time when they don't think they have much life left, they're very concerned about eternity. They don't have the peace of mind that comes from knowing that there's one who keeps me. They don't know what it means to have peace with the Creator God. They don't know what it means to have the peace of God. And so how are we supposed to renew our mind? Psalm 119 in verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 in verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. A renewed mind. How? By God's word. Now i got a question. You ever see on your phone or your, your devices that says you spent so many minutes or hours? Well, do you match that same amount of time with God's Word? How are you going to renew your mind? And what's that for? So you'll be able to discern what God's will is, to know what God's will is that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Turn to James chapter 4. Book of Hebrews, then James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd and 3rd John. James chapter 4. In verse 1, we find in James chapter 4, upheaval, striving. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your what? Lost that war in your members. Ye lost and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye what? Ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask it amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. See, that's when you're asking and it's still like the world. Do you get it? And it's still like the world. When it's about me. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. Just a couple of more pages or books over. If you have the right Bible, verse 7 says, There are three that bear record in heaven. This is the single greatest verse on the Trinity, on the Godhead in all the Word of God. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is what? Greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is where? In his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may what? You can know you have eternal life. That's God's will for you. That ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now look at this, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to what? Not my will, His will, He heareth us. So it's very important that I know what God's will is in a general sense. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. Isn't that amazing? According to his will, 
We have what we ask. You know when children get in trouble, they just don't know quite what to do. They get distracted. Ask my wife. I get distracted. I'm doubly troubled by that. Do you know that? I'm ADHD and I'm obsessive compulsive. So I forget what I'm supposed to do and then I obsess about what did I do? What didn't I do? You can laugh. How many of you have ever washed your hair more than once? In the same shower. I <laughs> okay. What is God's will? What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? These three categories, there's seven distinct areas we're going to look at now. I'm getting to the message, finally. Seven distinct areas where God's will for everyone is given. Seven in my Bible is the number of completion, the number of perfection. Seven things that God wants for everyone. And each one presented builds upon the one next. So the first category we have, and God's will for you, is God's good will. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. So, First Timothy chapter two. This is the Apostle Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for who? I pray for my president every day. Someone says he's not my president. You're in America. He's the president." If we think people are idiots when they didn't think Trump was their president, what do they have the right to think of us? The president's the president. That he's a good one or a bad one, that's not what I'm talking about. I pray for his salvation every day. Giving of thanks made for all men. Saved, lost, nice, not nice. Like Pastor Legault. For kings and for all that are in authority. Ooh. I pray every time I drive down the road and I see a sheriff's police car, state police. I even pray for the DEC. <laughs> Department of Environmental Conservation. Please, Lord, while I'm hunting, let them be in another area of the county. No. <laughs> okay. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is what? Good and acceptable in the sight of who? Our Savior. And that, that sentence doesn't end there. That's a colon, or a semicolon, because it wants you to look at the next Scripture verse okay, to finish the sentence. Who will have, God's will is for who will have all men to be what? And to do what? Come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for all to be testified in due time. It's God's will for you to be saved. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look at Galatians chapter 2. If you're not used to turning in your Bible, you're going to get some exercise this morning. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You know what that's telling me? I can't earn it. Not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't get it your own way. 
Go to Titus chapter 3. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. Titus chapter 3. Verse 3, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. After that, kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. Now get a member above, it said God our Savior, and here it says Jesus Christ our So when a religion tells you that Jesus Christ isn't God, you can say by the authority of God's Word, you're a liar. which shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by what? My own good deeds? No, but by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Am I driving it home for you? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, heaven will not be your home, but it can be if you turn to Him. There's no multiple places to go. There's no levels of transition. You don't go hide on the backside of Jupiter. You can ask me about that after the service. Okay? You don't have got to worry about the Hale-Bob Comet or any of those things. Okay? There's only two places. Heaven and hell. And you say, what about the lake of fire? Well, hell goes into the lake of fire, so there's still only two places. For all eternity. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. Say, why are you doing this? Because if you're here today and you're not saved, I want you to turn to trust Christ according to His God's Word. Not according to what I say, but according to what the Word of God says. That you can know that you have eternal life. Second Peter 3 verse 9. For it says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness. A slack rope when you're trying to work will kill you. But is long-suffering to usward, thank God for that for me. Not willing, it's not God's will, that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. You got it? So salvation is God's will for you. Want to know what God's will is today? If you're here and you're not saved, you're trusting in a church, you're trusting in yourself, you're trusting in something your parents did. You're trusting in water baptism. Jesus says, I am the way. Only through him. Only through him. So your salvation, that's the goodwill of God. You know what also is the goodwill of God? Your sanctification. What is sanctification? It's being purified and consecrated, set apart for a special use. I finished off the Sunday school lesson, read them a verse on them being peculiar people. Priests of the Most High God. If you're saved, that's what you are. He set you apart for his use. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I don't always go to all these many verses, but this is important I want you to understand. When my wife and I were on vacation, we went to a church and the first preacher, you guys loved them. Okay? They come and they sing in our church and they preach. Now, who would that be? The friends. And we drove from where we were and go, and he just come up and he hugged me and goes, Boy, preacher Lego, it's not many people travel to come see me when they're not around. I said, Well, I didn't come down from New York to see your brother. <laughs> I drove 20 minutes. Okay. 
That's all it was. Okay. And then the second guy got up and he preached and he had a good message. There's only one problem. He read a passage. And then nobody ever turned in their Bible any other place. Now, did he quote some scripture verses? Yeah, but he didn't even give the references to them. So if I say something, you don't know it comes from God's word. You know whose thought you think it is? Mine. And I know some of you sitting there going, well, he's not that bright anyways. Okay? <laughs> Brighter than you. <laughs> yeah. And humble. <laughs> that was said by my wife, so you know how that works in my home. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now this is really tough to find God's will for you. Ready? Look at verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And you know what that means? This is the will of God. Isn't that simple? That ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, that's in concupiscence, inordinate desires, the need to have more. We were working on my son's house yesterday doing sheetrock and had the, the crew come and they wanted to feed them very nicely. The thank you for everyone who came. There was a lot done. Quite a few guys showed up. There'll be, there'll be other uh, sheetrocking parties, I'm sure. And so <laughs> Michael's mother-in-law, Karen, and my wife, his mother, they put on a spread for them. We had slow-cooked, barbecued ribs and homemade cornbread, and Caesar salad, and then brownies, and then also other brownies with walnuts. Had a bunch of stuff there for us to eat, just to say thank you, okay? Just to say thank you. But you know, when I look at that, you know, it says, not in the lust of concupiscence. And our esteemed youth pastor said a very good statement, Kevin Thomas was one of the workers. He goes, you know, this is really great, but when you feed us like this, it's kind of hard to move very quickly when we go back putting sheetrock over our heads on a ceiling. Okay, so that's lust of concupiscence. Now you know what that word means, right? That's part of Overeaters Anonymous. But it can be relayed to anything that you have an inordinate desire for. So we're not to be in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. America is worse than the in the world in this. You know that our fast food has twice the calories of fast food around the world? McDonald's in New Zealand doesn't serve the same size meals as they do in America. So we know when it tastes good. Not McDonald's. And that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we've also forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto what? Uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God, who hath given, of us, given unto us of his Holy Spirit. Now, you're supposed to, if you're here this morning, you're saved. God's going to set you apart. You can let him set you apart kicking and screaming. He'll still set you apart because he's going to do a work in your life. Philippians 1.6, he that's begun a good work will perform it on the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to do that. You can't get away from it. You need to understand that. So don't go against the kicking and screaming. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to know there's two parts of your sanctification. Two parts of it. Hebrews chapter 10. The first part, Jesus did for us. Second part, he commands us to do. This is not to offend anybody, but I got saved out of the Holy Roman Catholic Church who taught salvation was in the church. And when I finally got a chance and someone confronted confronted me with what the Word of God says, because that's what changes it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I said, they've lied to me. You mean I don't need to go into the priest confessional to confess to a man to have sins absolved? 
I don't have to light candles. I don't have to worry about it and be afraid. I don't have to worry about my loved ones if they knew Christ, that I can try to pray them out and pay more money to do so. You're saying, is that part of it? There's priests in my family background, so you know when I became a Christian, it didn't go well in the family. You ready? Hebrews chapter 10. For it is not possible, verse 4, the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. You mean the guy doesn't pray over it and I eat the body of Christ every time I take it? In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. This is talking about our Savior. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified, see, set apart, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ again and again and again, once for all. Sinner, believe it. And every priest standing daily ministering, offering oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever, how long is that? Sat down at the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering him, he hath perfected forever them that are what? See, Jesus did the first part. He sanctified us unto God. That's the first part of your sanctification. The second part. Ready? Turn to First Thessalonians or First John chapter three. First John chapter three, verse one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. See, I have a new name. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth, yet, doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man, that's every man, woman, or child who knows Christ, every man that hath this hope in him does what? Purifieth himself. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm giving you the will of God, comparing spiritual with spiritual. That's scripture with scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We just read the passage. Verse 3 For this is the will of God, even in your sanctification, you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to what? Possess, to take possession, right? To possess his vessel in what? Sanctification and honor. God sanctified you through Jesus Christ for all eternity. You are then to take possession. The Apostle Paul said, I keep my body under. He doesn't let it have control. You still with me? He set you apart. God's will is you continue to do that. If you're going to witness to people about Jesus Christ and give them scriptures to show them how they can be saved, you ought to live right before them. Otherwise, they're going to call you a hypocrite and not pay any attention to what you have to say. You don't go to a drunkard to learn how not to drink. Amen? And such were some of you, but now ye are washed. Now ye are sanctified. Now ye are what? Justified. That's what it says about you right now if you're saved. If you're not saved, get saved, and that'll be about you. Okay? So the very least of God's will for us is the sanctification. And how many of you, they don't do it, and I don't know because I don't shop online. 
I mention something to my wife and either my son or my daughter-in-law or my wife or my daughter or my son-in-law or my other son and daughter-in-law shop online for me if it's got to be done online. That's because T-shirt underneath says dinosaur. Okay? I get frustrated with... But I can remember looking at Montgomery Ward or Sears and Roebuck. Do you remember back when the catalogs used to come out, Sears catalog, and they'd have things listed as good, better, and best? My Cabela's and my Bass Pro catalog does this. This is good clothing. This is better clothing by how much it costs. And there's the best, right? So you know what God has for you? He has the goodwill of God. And so many people settle for that. You get saved. And then there's better. And then there's the best. What are you going to settle for? God wants more. God wants more. So the first category was the goodwill of God. Right? Proving what is that good. Second one is acceptable. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation, that's not just what you say, that's your manner of life, that's what the, real, the word means completely. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, see, your sanctification, your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Isn't that amazing? Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or to the supreme or to the state trooper. Or as unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Now look at verse 15. What does it say there? For so is what? The will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Verse 13 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You still with me? You want to know what is acceptable? Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of what? No reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and be made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. I told you I'm wearing your fingers out this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Just back a page or so. Verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. That's mean the person you work for according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the what? Why? With good will, doing service as to who? The Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So your service, acceptable. God wants it to be acceptable service. The next thing is it's separation. Second Corinthians, I told you there's seven things total, the three parts. We've seen your salvation, your sanctification. The third one is your service. The fourth one is going to be your separation. Christianity is so wanting to please the world, they're becoming the world. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Young people... Memorize this passage. It'll save you heartache later on. Verse 14. 
2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What hath communion hath light with darkness? In what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? In what agreement hath the temple of God, and if you're saved, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. That doesn't mean to cloister yourself, to go to a convent, okay, Go to seminary, go someplace to get totally away from everybody. That's not what it's saying. Because the Bible says, you're in the world, just don't be of the world. You have to live and breathe in this world. You have to work in this world. So it's not saying, drop that. It's telling you don't keep yourself in that frame of mind. Come ye out and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It's your separation. We struggle there, don't we? Don't we struggle with separation? Okay. Look at 1 John chapter 2. First John 2, verse 15. You ready? Love not the, neither the things of the, world. The family man loved the world. The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And when you put the world ahead of your relationship with your Savior, it becomes an idol. When you put your husband or wife ahead of your relationship with the Savior, they become an idol. When you put your children ahead of your relationship with the Savior, it becomes an idol. When you put your work before the Savior, it becomes an idol. When you put your things, and so many even Christians are getting caught up in having things and not having a relationship with the Savior. What is the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and all thy mind. And the second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We struggle with that separation. Separation from the world is different than sanctification to the Lord. So you say, that's acceptable. Yeah, service, separation. You know what's also acceptable? Turn to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. This is acceptable unto God. You can say, well, no, it can't be. There's not a mama living who didn't, who didn't say this at one point. I just don't want my little one to hurt. I don't want him to hurt. And many times they got a rotten father like me who says, put some dirt in it. It'll stop hurting. 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to what? The will of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be subject unto your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also the froward. Now, some of us, we work for jerks, don't we? For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is it, what? Acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, 
that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For we were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Isn't that amazing? Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 12. This morning I'm preaching to myself, preaching for my family. Can we give God glory? Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a Baptist, or as a, oh, excuse me, it doesn't say that. It says, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end thereof be of them that obey not his gospel. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly and the sinner? Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls unto him in well-doing is unto a faithful creator. So there is suffering. Amen? You still with me? So you have your salvation, your sanctification being set apart for his use. Your service. We're to serve Him. We're to be separate from the world and we're going to suffer to do so. Second Timothy 3.12 says this. It says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That which is good is salvation and sanctification. That which is acceptable is your service, your separation, and your suffering. We're going to get to the last point. Did you think we're going to make it? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, or Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians, chapter 5, go to verse 15. Speaking to believers, and he says, See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly, to look around so you make sure you're going safely the direction you're supposed to go. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be what? Not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, he wants you to know. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks, how? Always. For what? All things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves one to another in what? The fear of God. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ... 
dwell in you richly into all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you what? Do in word what you say, or deed what you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know what the perfect will of God is? It's to be Spirit-filled. It's to know when you're doing it, that's God's will for you. That's the filling of the Spirit. Spirit-filled. The choices you're going to make are going to be the ones God would have you according to God's Word. And then it's to be thankful. Thankful when the sickness comes. Thankful when the trial's there. I didn't say you're happy, you're hurting. But you can be thankful to the God who promises to bring you through. Promises you, because of His Son and His sacrifice, eternal life and a home in heaven forever. Right? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything that's in the bad, in the good, and in the just plain mundane, mundane, give thanks. How many of you sitting here this morning weren't able to get out of bed at all? You're sitting here, right? How many of you hurt this morning when you got up? I thank God when it hurts because it tells me it's still alive. Yep. I'll say, well, Lord, it's a good day. I'm still breathing. Help me to have a day that I can love you and serve you and reach to someone else. Do I fulfill that all the time? Just ask my family and my friends, the people yesterday when we were working. <laughs> right, Pastor Thomas? <laughs> it's, I wasn't spirit-filled in everything I did yesterday, but that's what you know you should do. You should strive towards that because that's going to be the perfect will of God. And if you fall short of that, does that mean you shouldn't endeavor to try? No. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Please stand. God's will for you is that you should be saved. God's will for you is you should be set apart for his use, not yours. God's will for you is for you to be serving Him separate from the world. And God's will is sometimes you're going to suffer for Him. The sufferings of this world can't be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us through Him. So maybe you're going through it today. Maybe you need to come to the altar and say, God, I didn't understand. You're allowing this. Help me to learn what you want from me in this. Father, I haven't given you control of my mind or my mouth or my tongue. Help me to realize, Father, they're your vessel to serve me, to serve you. See? It's to serve him, not me. Maybe God's speaking to your heart today. Maybe you are going through it and you don't understand why you're going through it. Just keep going through it for Him and He'll reveal in His time how He gets glory out of it. God's speaking to your heart and you need to come to the altar. You come now. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't leave here without Him. Good intentions, good works, religion can't save you. Only He can. And it's His will to save you because He wants you to be able to be in heaven for all eternity with Him. If God is speaking to your heart this morning, you want to know what God's will is? You'll find it in the pages of his book. And he'll tell you very directly. If you're not fulfilling the general will of God,
the things we've looked at this morning. That's the same will for every believer. If you're not fulfilling them, God will not reveal to you His specific will. And if you want to know what the specific will is, to him the knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is, are you doing what you know God would have you to do? Then you can ask him and he'll show you more of how you can fulfill your purpose for life. And everyone has a purpose, is to bring glory to him. God speak in your heart, you come. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word and pray you use this message to speak to our hearts. Help us to serve you. Help us not to get caught up, Father, in the anger that this world brings on us. Help us, Father, to be willing to go to a lost and dying world and tell them that a sinner has come and that there's a new life promised and a new home for all eternity. Work in our hearts to that end, and we'll give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.